It's great to see you in the house of the Lord tonight and to worship the Lord with you. The Spirit of the Lord is here in a clear and present way, specific way. And uh, he's going to continue ministering to us as we open our spirit and receive of him. Thank God. Thank God. I've asked Brother Renee if he would take some time this evening and to simply declare to us what the Spirit of the Lord has been talking to him about. And uh, you may see some different ones in these weeks ahead. Um, as you know, we have different guests coming uh, over the next few weeks. Wasn't it tremendous to have Brother Berglund with us on Sunday? Such a witness of the Word and the Spirit of God in both services. And I thank God for that. If you, uh, if you were in one service and not in the other, I would encourage you to go watch and listen to the other. You may think, well, I already saw it or heard it. But the flow of ministry was different based on the group of people and some of the some of the testimonies he shared, some of the things brought out in the word. It's just the power of the spirit of God to minister to hearts and lives. It's so beautiful. And I so thank God for that. Uh, not this Sunday, but next Sunday, the following Sunday, uh, brother and sister Heiner will be with us. And we're looking forward to that as well. Amen. Praise God, brother Renee. Now that you sat back down, come on up. God bless you. I love and appreciate this young man. His heart of service, and I believe the Lord's going to use him right now. Would you open your spirit and receive of the Lord? Praise the Lord. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. You know, the scripture talks about a man named Moses that the Lord says he knew face to face and that there hasn't been a man since that knew him that way. And so uh, I feel from God to share what the Lord has been dealing with me as well as an uh, invitation to get closer in relationship with him. And uh, I wish to express that. So if I could uh, have you turn to Psalms chapter 24. Beginning in verse 3. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? Um, if the hill of the Lord, if, is Mount Zion, where the Lord... Uh, abides and if the holy place is the temple the question is you know who can fellowship with christ you know and so we're speaking of a type and shadow in the old testament of a spiritually high place with the lord i would say and uh how do we know this you know the most high dwelleth not in temples made with hands so very clearly we're talking about a god as a spirit and abiding with him, fellowshipping with his spirit in unity. And so, you know, I'm going to continue in four. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. You know, five, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God of his salvation. 
hands that are clean. What are hands that are clean? Hands that are clean of guilt, you know. Hands that are blameless, without sin. And the heart that is undivided, completely obedient, obedient to God. I believe that is what the Lord is seeking, is for us to get close to him, make our hearts straight, make our hearts undivided unto him. And so these are the qualifications I believe the Lord is speaking to us about in verse 3. And, uh, you know, I've said it, God is seeking relationship with us. And our prayer, my prayer is, God created me a new heart and created me a right spirit, one that is pure before you, that I may see you, that I may come to know you as every living example in the Bible has known you, you know? I want to be the man of God you called me to be, and God is desiring the same for each and every one of us, I believe. And so, but we've all sinned, you know, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans it says, but we have an advocate with the Father, you know. Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the propitiation of our sins. I thank God for the blood of Jesus that has renewed us and cleansed us of our sins, that we can have a pure heart. And that we can, for ourselves, seek God. And uh, it's through the blood of Jesus that has made me free of guilt. I couldn't have done it by myself. Nobody could have cleansed me but God. And so, can we just, as we seek the Lord, continue to seek him as who he is, our redeemer? You know, he has adopted us as sons. And he has created us that we may worship him. And so that's my desire. I want to seek God. It's my desire to see others as well to seek God. And uh, can we just ask God that? Can we continue to seek him? God, we want you. We need you. We desire to have a heart after you, Jesus. Create in me a pure heart. Create in me a new heart and a right spirit that I may seek you, Jesus that I may find you for myself. Continue to move in us. Continue to guide us and lead us into deeper relationship with you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you're doing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I... Thank you, Brother Rene. Amen. I'm going to keep putting some of these people on the spot. Not putting them on the spot. I didn't put them on the spot. He got a little bit of a warning. Um, like a few days, not like a few minutes. Um, sometimes I'll just give a few minutes. That's we got to do that. Um. There is... You know, this is a, the beauty is this is a safe place in the body of Christ. And so we learn and we grow uh, here in our daily walk. And it's important. Uh, it's important. I don't know why I was reflecting on, I guess maybe because of uh, asking Brother Renee to take some time. I'm not drawing a comparative. It just reminded me. I remember when I was 16 years old, and um, I knew the Holy Ghost was dealing with me 
and uh, I recognized a call to ministry in my life, and it scared me, so I didn't tell anybody. I finally told my sister, her and I were uh, close confidants, but I didn't tell anybody else, and um, man, that scared me to death. Some people thought that was cool. That scared me to death, man. God's calling me. Um, it's not a small thing. And I, I remember uh, it was a Sunday night back then in Missouri. We had service on Sunday morning and Sunday night. And I remember it was a Sunday night. I was back at the the um, the back of the sanctuary after service. And my pastor at the time, Brother Thornton, walked by. And he stopped me. He, he called me Joe. He always called me Joe. He said, hey, Joe. Yeah. He said, uh, I think I'd like you to preach next Sunday night. <laughs> I was <laughs> I don't know if I said anything. I think my jaw probably hit the floor or something. I was like, what? I was like, he's like, can you do that? Like, uh, uh, uh he said, just take five minutes, it'll be fine. Okay. Night. You know, it marked me because, again, I, I didn't say anything to anybody. And uh, I didn't say anything to him then other than, uh, okay. But the Lord was affirming things in my spirit. and I think I had uh, three or four pages of notes that night, that next Sunday night. And I think, you know, I had it all planned out. I knew exactly how, you know, it was going to go. Um. And I think those four pages of notes took about three and a half minutes, and I was done. <laughs> but the Lord was working on me. And we had a gracious congregation that worked with me as I shared the word at times along the journey. We should care for and support one another that way. Amen? Praise God. I... Um, I want to just share a few things with you. Uh, I had my Bible open because I was reading where uh, Brother Renee was. Um, I want to come back to this thought about speaking and what we speak. Uh, the scripture is clear. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Okay. Um, that is a spiritual work that can happen when we open our mouth. And when we are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's not coincidence that when we find people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19, when we see people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost in these examples that I just referenced in those three places in the book of Acts, it's not coincidental that we find them all speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them utterance when they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What's happening there? There is a spiritual utterance, not something man taught them to do, not something they learned of their ability, but we know from Acts 2, 1 through 4, that they began to do so as the Spirit, capital S in your Bible, the very Spirit of God gave them utterance. They were worshiping the Lord. They were lifting up the Lord. They were praying and seeking His face. And the, the Spirit of God came and indwelt them. And when it did, the Spirit gave utterance. We understand that. We know that. 
Uh, somebody once asked me, if you receive the Holy Ghost, uh, do you have to speak in tongues? And I said, no, but when you receive the Holy Ghost, you will speak in tongues. It's the initial evidence that we find in Scripture repeatedly. Um, now, why am I saying that? Because that utterance is new birth. Being born again. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, when Nicodemus came to him by night, you must be born again. And he said, you've got to be born again. Of course, Nicodemus was like, am I supposed to go in mom's womb again? Thinking in the natural. And Jesus spoke to him and said, except a man's born again of the water and the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he said, except a man's born again of the water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so we know this being born again of the water and being born again of the Spirit. And so we see that on the day of Pentecost, the birth of the church. Born again as they were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There was utterance given them. Say that word with me, utterance. There was utterance given. That's speaking. What you speak matters. And when you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, if you and I will learn to be sensitive to and wait on the utterance of the Spirit of God, we speak things that are not as though they were. And we can begin to speak into being the things that the Spirit of God desires to speak. Now, there's this New Age movement going around. It's called manifesting. Anybody heard of that? I was on a video conference the other day. And somebody, I could tell somebody sort of got caught up in that all of a sudden. They made a statement about manifesting something. I was just like, okay, I just let it go. It was a week later and we were on another conference call and they decided they wanted to voice something about manifesting again. Well, I needed wisdom. But I had to say something about that, right? What is that? I'll tell you what that is. The God of this world draws people into spiritism and gets them to begin acting. That, but that's not what I'm talking about tonight. You understand? I'm talking about an utterance given of the Holy Ghost when we go to a place of prayer. We go to a place of fellowship with God. We've submitted and yielded to his spirit. And then he gives us words to speak about situations and circumstances and events and lives, not just our own, but beyond ourselves. And we begin to speak things under the unction of the Holy Ghost. Peter said we have an unction. That word unction there means an anointing. We have an unction from the Holy One. And so God will give us utterance to speak. But what I've got to do is I've got to die to myself, die to my will, so that I can pray the will of God. And that's, that's what it really becomes. That's a depth of praying the will of God, where I go to a place where I'm now in union with the Spirit of God. I'm yielded to the Spirit of God, and I'm now not just going, Lord, let your will be done, whatever that is. That's sometimes how we pray the will of God. Right? Not saying there's anything wrong with that. But there is a depth we can go to in relationship with God 
where I'm not praying, God, whatever your will is, let it be done. But I'm in tune and fellowship with him. I've been in his word. I've been in a place of prayer with him. Him and I have been alone together. We've been talking. You and God have been talking. Now when I'm praying the will of God, I know what I'm praying. You know what you're praying. You're speaking some things according to the word of God, according to the authority of God, by the power of the name of God. And you're speaking things to be an utterance given from the Lord. This is the desire of God for your life of prayer. I'll say that again. This is the desire of God for your life of prayer. I was, I was praying earlier today, and uh, you ever war against stuff? Raise your hand if you ever war against stuff. Ah, look at that. We're all human. And uh, I war against stuff, and sometimes the stuff I war against is your stuff. Does that make sense? I mean that in a, a kind way. You, you understand what I mean, right? Okay. I'm not warring against you. You understand. But sometimes the things that you're dealing with and battling, that maybe I'm aware of or maybe I'm not, or maybe the Lord dealing with, I war against your stuff. Does that make sense? Well, I was praying today, and uh, I entered into something where I'm like, you know what? I'm getting ready to war against some stuff. And there was a holy boldness and unction that came, and I began to pray the Lord of hosts. You know, the, we see that throughout Scripture, the Lord of hosts. Lord of hosts, if you look in many translations, it translates Lord of armies. Lord of hosts, translate the Lord of armies. And I'm telling you, something came. The Spirit of the Lord rose up in me. And I began to pray the Lord of hosts. And there became a warring in my spirit. And there were some things. And so when we began to sing this song about victory tonight, I began, there was a celebration in my spirit because I felt like there's some victory that's already. You may not have seen it yet, but I'm telling you, there's some things today in the Holy Ghost where I had an unction from the Holy One. And I decided, you know, some things we just put up with and endure, and we need to determine as children of God, I'm getting a word from God, and I'm speaking to this thing. I'm speaking the word of God. I'm not going to endure it. I'm going to defeat it. I'll say that again. You need to stop enduring it and determine I'm going to defeat it. How you and I speak matters. What we speak matters. The scripture tells us No weapon formed against us will prosper. You ever read that? You ever heard that? The scripture does not say no weapon will be formed against us. See, we confuse that. No weapon formed will prosper. There will be weapons formed against you and I as children of God. But it won't prosper. Do you know why we struggle sometimes to have utterance 
The reason we struggle sometimes to declare what we need to declare is because we operate solely on feeling and emotion rather than operating, standing on the Word of God. As I begin to pray the Lord of armies and begin to come against some of these things today and begin to speak against some very specific things that the Lord gave me words to speak and war against and fight against, and, and I haven't been in this place in a while. I mean, I, I, periodically I've been there, but where the Lord took me today, it's like he was saying, it's time right now to war against these things. And this verse of Scripture kept coming to my spirit, and I began to declare it. Through God we shall do valiantly. I love that word, by the way. Through God we shall do valiantly, for He it is that will tread down our enemies. Y'all are sitting here all docile. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to contain myself. Because there is a war in my spirit. The adversary will not win. Through God we shall do valiantly. Because he it is that will tread down our enemies. I'm not trying to convince you. I can't convince you. But I know the word is true. You've got to determine the word is true or it's not. Satan does not win. Somebody hear me. He does not win. Through the Lord we shall do valiantly. For he it is. Not me in my human effort. Not you in your human ability. Not you in figuring it all out when you get everything together. But through God we shall do valiantly. For he it is that will tread down our enemies. The weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. But hear me tonight, they are mighty. They're not weak. They're not powerless. They're not maybe they'll work. No, no. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the tearing down. I wish somebody would get this in your spirit tonight. You're fighting a battle, and the adversary wants you to think you can't win. I'm here to declare the word of God to somebody. Through God, through God, through God, we shall do valiantly, for he will tread down our enemies. The weapons of our warfare, my warfare, your warfare, they are mighty through God. Through God. You need to determine I'm going to fight to win. Not just to survive. I'm not interested in just surviving. I'm interested in victory. God is a God of victory. He, it is, the scripture says, that teaches our hands to war. He, it is, that teaches our hands to war. He, it is, that teaches us. He, it is, that instructs us. He, it is, that goes before us and that comes behind us. It is God that fights for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Scripture teaches us that we should put on the whole armor of God. 
We know this, amen. It speaks of a fight. You don't put on the armor to sit at home and look good. You don't put on the armor for show unless you're one of those guards at Buckingham Palace. But you get in their face and you'll find out that stuff's real. And they know how to use it. But we put on the armor because we understand we're in a fight. See, living for God means you have chosen to be a part of the armies of God. It's a worthwhile fight. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier. There's some warfare that takes place in mine in your life. You got to know that. Let the Spirit of the Lord anoint your mind right now that transforms you from a place of going, I'm just trying to survive, that says, I'm going to war a good warfare. I'm going to fight a good fight. God, if you'll strengthen my hands, I'll fight. God, if you'll put words in my mouth, I'll fight. Lord, through you, I'm going to war a warfare. I hear a cry to battle that comes from the throne of God that says, I've called you to a place of victory, not survival, but victory through the blood, the word, and the power of the name of Jesus. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. I'm not fighting my human effort. I'm not fighting in my carnal ability. I'm not fighting in my own mentality. I'm not fighting because I'm perfect and got it all figured out. I'm fighting because I know there is a war raging and I know I can't lose if I fight in him. So fight. for Somebody get back up again and fight for somebody. Put the armor back on and fight. For someone, don't lay down and roll over. Get up again. Stand up again. Let the Spirit of the Lord strengthen you again. Let the anointing of God come upon you like came on David on the field of battle and determine, I'm going to fight. Satan, you may have hit me and knocked me down, but I am getting up and I'm going to fight. In the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus. Scripture declares when we see the adversary on that day, we'll look and say, is this the one? Is this the one? We got to know who we are and we got to fight. So we put on the armor of God. You know the armor of God. Breastplate of righteousness, loins girt about with truth, the helmet of salvation, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In one hand, the shield of faith. In the other hand, the sword of the spirit. What's the sword of the spirit? What is it? Right. It's the word of God. You guys remember a few weeks ago I talked about sword drills and you guys were like, what? Remember that? 
the Word of God. Now, here's the thing. If you look, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is not the Logos of God. Word translated throughout Scripture is often Logos. We see in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, that's Logos, thought, the idea, the plan. When we read of the armor of God in Ephesians, I believe, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is not the Logos. It's the rhema of God. It's different. The sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. What is the rhema of God? The rhema is the living, declared Word of God. It's the uttered Word of God. It's the spoken Word of God released into your situation, released into the atmosphere, released by the power and the unction of the Spirit of God. What we speak matters. What we say matters. And it's too late of an hour and the battle's too real for you and I to go to a place of prayer and just frame things that are coming out of my own mind and my own intellect and my own thoughts and my own ideas. I and you must get in tune with the Holy Ghost and we must wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the utterance of the Spirit of God, the rhema of God that will go forth and accomplish what He sends it to do. When you and I fight, we are meant to fight, not with weapons of carnal men, but the weapons of our warfare, as I've said already, are not carnal. There is utterance to be given us. An utterance from the Spirit of God to fight. Now, no one has to tell you when you've declared the rhema of God. Hear me. No one has to tell you when the living utterance of the Spirit of God has flown out, it flowed out of your mouth. You recognize there's a living word going out. There's a living word going forth. It comes with faith. You know that faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord? When you speak a rhema, there's faith that flows out. A faith that What's just been spoken didn't just come out of my own thought process. What's just been spoken wasn't just me having some mind over matter, God forbid. But what's been spoken was the very Spirit of God within me gave utterance. And I opened my mouth and released the living Word of God. And it will do what He sent it to do. It's the power of the spoken Word of God. It's the sword of the Spirit. It's the sword of the Spirit. Every other piece of the armor is covering and protection, footing. But what you war with, what you fight with, what you decapitate. I just said it. 
I'm telling you, I'm so fired up. I'm not interested in just stabbing and poking the adversary. I'm ready to cut some heads off. And I, if you'd have seen me early, you'd have probably thought I was crazy. I know you think I am anyway. But And I was in the prayer room downstairs, and the Spirit of the Lord came on me in this way. Brother Lewis, I felt like I had a sword in both hands. I really did. I, I, did. I can't explain. Pray and be still. And there was moving and speaking things. We need to get the utterance of the Spirit of the Lord. We need the rhema of God. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. Get in a place. Get the mind of God. Get the utterance of God and begin to speak to the situation. Begin to speak to the circumstance. Begin to speak. You understand when Jesus told his disciples to speak. He said, speak to the mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. He said to the sycamine tree, speak to the sycamine tree, be plucked up by the root and be planted in the sea. You got to speak. I got to speak. But my word doesn't matter. It needs to be his word flowing out of our mouth. The rhema of God. The rhema of God. Now watch. David. was just a boy. He comes to a battle. There's a battle taking place with the Philistines. You know the story in 1 Samuel 17. Soldier comes out on the field. Send me a man to fight. Goliath, they called him. Big man. Had a whole group of people trembling. The adversary still works the same way. He'll scream really loud. Try to look really big and cause fear to paralyze people of God. Thank God, one young 16, 17 year old boy. You know what the difference was for David? David hadn't been there listening to the enemy. David had not been there just listening to the enemy. David had been in the field listening to God. David had been worshiping. David had been praising. David had been singing songs. There's power in your worship. He'd been fellowshipping the Lord. And when he came and he heard the enemy. Hold on a minute. What did he just say? Does he dare defy the armies of the living God? I think we need the spirit of David to rise up in our heart a little bit. Unfortunately, if I'm not careful, I'll have more of the spirit of his three brothers. Look, you're just a kid. You don't know what you're talking about. Settle down. You know what? I love seeing Sister Trinity teaching that P7 club at school when she was teaching. You know why? She got a boldness about her. Now, somebody might say, oh, when she gets older. No, 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 no. Let that boldness be in her spirit. That thing that came on David, let it come upon every one of us. 
He had a boldness. But watch. Saul tried to put his armor on David. Remember the story? David thought, okay, I guess I'm going to fight. I got to do it that way. And so he put it on and it didn't work. And he makes a statement. I'm hurrying to finish here. David makes a statement. He says, I've not proven it. Remember? I've not proven. I can't fight with this. I haven't proven it. So, of course, you know the story. He went out with his sword and his sling. And in the name of the Lord. 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 He said, you come against me with a spear and a sword, but I come against you. In the he never said, I come to you with a sling and the name. He said, I come against you in the name of the Lord. He knew what he was fighting with. But watch, watch. David didn't take that armor because he knew he hadn't proven it. You know why sometimes we struggle to wield the sword of the Spirit? We haven't proven it. We haven't gotten to a place where it's like, I know what it is to hold that in my hand. I got a few nicks on my knees where I learned to use that thing and overswung. Got some people I had to go talk to and ask them to forgive me because I didn't use it the right way. And I, but I kept digging in the Word of God. Not, not for head knowledge. To know the God of the book. And get the living Word in my spirit. And have the living Word live in me. To where then when I would go to a place of prayer and fellowship the Spirit of God that dwells in me, I can, I can wield the sword of the Spirit. I can wield the sword. Stand with me tonight. We need to yield to the utterance of the Spirit of God. But hear me. That doesn't happen if I just block out 10 minutes for prayer right before I run out the door on my way to work. Doesn't work that way. It doesn't happen if I'm giving 99% of my, really any of my time, shouldn't be giving any of my time. But if I'm given 99% of my time to listen to all that the adversary has to say, entertaining all of his junk, pondering over all the lies that he's telling me, listening to him go on about my past that's under the blood. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? I mean, really. Why would you continue to listen to that? That's why I said we need something like David to rise up in our spirit. Who is this that's defying the armies of the living God? And then get a word from God and speak it. And declare it. Let there come a fight in your spirit that comes from the living God. He teaches our hands.
to war. Hear me. There comes a point as a child of God where you have to fight your battles. I'm not saying nobody else will fight with you. You understand? But sometimes what we do is we seek to, you know, we, we make agreements with the adversary. I'll tell you what, you leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. And then we're content. At least he's not bothering me. Sorry, I'm not settling into that mindset. Jesus Christ came that he might destroy the works of Satan. It's the word. I remind Satan of that. Your works have already been destroyed. You're just operating in stuff trying to deceive people because you're a deceiver. But the Lord Jesus came to destroy your works. So I'm operating in the power of the spirit of the living God that's already paid the price to destroy the works of Satan. This is not a call to compromise. It's a call to fight. It's not a call to just survive. It's a call to fight. The spirit of the Lord is really trying to provoke somebody. That's the only word that can provoke. God is trying to provoke somebody where you've been passive. And the Spirit of the Lord saying, it's not time to be passive. It's time to get into a closet of prayer and a posture of prayer. Get into the Word and find an answer. And then begin to declare the Word of God and war. In the name of Jesus. Come on, there's victory in Him. There is victory in Him. There's well, for some, you've said, well, I, I guess I just got to live with this. No. Not so. Not so. You can war in the Holy Ghost. You can war in the Holy Ghost. There's power in the Word of God over every effort and every tool of the adversary. Jesus declared it to his disciples. I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm you. Lay hold on the word of God. Seek the face of God. Declare and call on the Lord of hosts to fight with you. To fight for you. Declare, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm warring a good warfare. Lord Jesus, Take my hands and teach them to war. Lord Jesus, fill my mouth with your words, I pray. I pray the utterance of the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we come against spirits of depression. I come against the spirit of depression by the word of God and the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. I pray it be severed at the very root. I pray the victory and the authority of the name of Jesus in the life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, speak to the situation. Speak to the circumstance. By the power of the name of Jesus. By the power of the name of Jesus. Come on, the Lord will put strength in you. Yes, the battle can be wearisome, but the Lord will put strength in you. He'll put strength in you. He'll put strength in you. He'll put strength in you. In the name of Jesus, He will put strength in you. But purpose, I will not compromise. I will not compromise. I'll stand on the Word of God that is sure and certain. I'll declare the Word of God that is sure and certain. In the name of Jesus, I'll get in the Word of God. I'll not just read it, but I'll declare it as the Lord gives inspiration and utterance. I pray, anoint our minds to see, I pray. Anoint our ears to hear, O Lord. Anoint our lips to speak, dear God. Let us stir up the gift that is within us that we would declare the Word of God. That we would war a good warfare by the leading of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, and as you press beyond, some of you, you fought your own battle, but the Lord would use you to tear down strongholds in your family. He would use you to tear down strongholds in your neighborhood. He would use you to tear down strongholds in your workplace. Let the Spirit of the Lord come upon you to fight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. In Jesus' name, you understand as you're praying, the gates of hell are not movable. The gates of hell don't pick up and move and come against the church. I think we've misinterpreted that scripture sometime as though we say, okay, the gates of hell can't, can't prevail. The gates of hell are stationary. You understand that? So what does that mean, they will not prevail? That tells me that the church is on the offensive. The church is on the offensive. And the gates of hell are trying to hold back the offense of the church that's warring against it. But the Lord Jesus declared the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. When you and I get the utterance of the Spirit of God and join with the Lord of armies and begin to war as His Spirit leads us, the gates of hell cannot stand against my family. The gates of hell cannot hold my family captive. The gates of hell cannot restrict the warring of the church. They'll not prevail. God, help us know who we are. Let us yield to your utterance, Father. Let us pray according to the working of the Spirit to break the bonds of captivity against the enemy in Jesus' name, to break the bonds of the enemy from our neighborhoods 
in Jesus' name, on our jobs and our families in this region, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, in the name of 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 Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm not trying to belabor a point. I just want to make sure we understand this. I'm not praying for people and circumstances and situations. God, help it get better. You understand? Sometimes that's how we pray. God, let it get better. No. We are fighting a war. I'm not wanting better. I'm praying God deliver them. God, break every yoke of the adversary, every addiction that holds my family captive. In the name of Jesus, I come against that spirit of addiction. Every spirit of oppression and depression and deception that would hold my spirit family captive. I come against the spirit of false religion. I come against false doctrine. I come against unsound doctrine in the name of Jesus. I pray a tearing down of religious tradition. I pray a tearing down of deceptive religion. I pray the spirit of truth prevail. I pray the spirit of truth prevail. I pray the spirit of truth prevail. You got to know who you are in Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We're not just trying to exist. We're taking territory. We're taking back that which the adversary tried to claim for himself. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, the Lord Jesus gave Adam and Eve dominion in the garden. And they gave it up when they yielded to the deception of the adversary. The only way the adversary has dominion is if you give it up. And so he'll lie to you and get you to give up dominion. And so you listen to it. And so we fall in the trap of, oh, you may not realize it, but you make agreements. Agreements. Fine, you can have that part, but I'm not giving up this. The kingdom of God suffereth violence. Somebody hear me. The kingdom of God suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. 
I've never felt in my spirit what I'm feeling in my spirit today. And it is a quickening of the Holy Ghost that says, I'm calling you to fight. I want something to rise up. And I don't know, maybe much of this is just for me. I don't know. But there's something rising in my spirit that says we must war. We must war for our cities. We must war for our families. We must war for our neighborhood. And we have weapons with which to war. We better realize it's a fight. It's not just Sunday morning and Thursday night. It's a fight. So what do we do? We better get in the Word. You know, the more time you spend in the Word, the more you find yourself declaring the Word. Prove the Word. Prove the Word. Cut off the YouTube. Cut off the television. If you got one of those, cut off the computer. Cut out the other noise and get in the Word. And let the Lord quicken His Word to your spirit and mind. And let us declare it with boldness and authority. Now hear me and I finish. You know, there's a lot of war-based video games nowadays. Did you know that? Call of Duty, I think, is one of them. At least it was when I was a kid, or younger anyway, not when I was a kid. When my kids were younger. I'm sure there's probably like multiple versions of it now. But there's these war video games. And what? The interesting thing about that, it's got a lot of young teenage people, maybe even older adults probably, that have played those games and now they think they know what it is to fight. And they don't have a clue. They've just been playing games. I grew up in the military. I was never in the military. Heard stories. My dad that raised me served more than one tour in Vietnam. War is messy. It's messy. You can get weary in the battle. There are casualties along the way. But you're fighting for a purpose. You understand? the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Your and my warfare can be the difference between someone's eternal destination. Let's make sure we understand what we're warring about here. It's the difference between heaven and hell for somebody. It's not the difference between being a good person or not being a good person. We're warring for territory. We're warring for eternal consequences. The enemy doesn't care 
if you're a good soldier, if you stay off the battlefield. The enemy doesn't care how trained and learned you are if you don't go into the fight. We got to get in the fight. We got to get on our knees. We got to get in tune with the Spirit of God, and we got to get in the fight. The Lord it is that goes before us. And he it is that is our rear reward. He goes before us. He comes behind us. Through God we shall do valiantly. For he it is that treads down.